Grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. With Lent falling later this year, the extending of Epiphany keeps us with Jesus and his Sermon on the Mount. A matter of fact, if we actually had one more Epiphany, we could go into the eighth Sunday of Epiphany, and it would still be on the Sermon on the Plain. Last week, he looked upon his disciples, remember? And he began by saying, Blessed are you. While he also said, Woe was over this world of a good life being no good without the gospel. It's from this promise of blessed are you and those believing in his word. Jesus now goes on, but I say to you who hear, love your enemies. Except we quickly gravitate away from these words. Our cultural ears have been trained. Most are familiar with, and maybe you felt that pull when you heard the text read today, wanting to go right to the end of the reading. You know what I'm talking about. It's the famous line, judge not, lest you will be judged. There's nothing wrong with these verses. They are what they say. But these words come loaded with hostility today. And they're used, frankly, a lot of times against Christians. For instance, to claim no need of repentance, judge not. To reject proper authority, God gives, as if parents don't have that over their children to begin with. Or, frankly, to neuter the law, as if there is no true good for law. What Jesus refers to has nothing to do about dismantling earthly jurisdiction. The family, church, and state all serve a purpose for upholding discipline at the present. Jesus here is speaking to believers about how you view and what you hold against unbelievers. Or, frankly, a judgmental mindset among the church that would bring shame to God's grace that would be, work, that would be at work for a sinner in the congregation. So this judge not really brings us right back to the, the big statement of what Jesus started out right in the beginning to say, love your enemies. God's mercy in Christ is love that makes right all the wrongs with love even to give our enemies. So what does that mean? Well, bankly, it means that we have to think about three things today. The justifiable threat of enemies, the justifying work by Christ against all enemies, and then finally what it means for the justified to see past enemies with love. The justifiable threat, you know it quite well, of enemies makes us draw lines of love. We might be born, as we say as Lutherans, you're born a sinner. By nature, we all got this disease. But for any of you who raise children, you know children 
still come with some innocence toward life. They don't understand the borders and all the things that are set up today for drawing the lines on a map or the nations and all the complexities. It's one thing, as you know, as we all have, to learn about bad people or warfare that's feared among or fought over in some other nation we never heard of. However, what really hits home is when we find out in life, personally, someone who does not only dislike, but they actually want to be our enemy. Most probably met this. Sadly, I went to a pretty big school system, but that's where you meet it, usually, right? With a bully. But Joseph, in our Old Testament reading, he felt it at home by the hand of his own brothers who hated him. The immediate reaction, of course, when you get that experience for the first time as a person, a kid, is to put down lines to protect ourselves from threatening, from the threats made by our person or our group. And so we also have the parents, when they hear about that news, they try to curb the fear. Well, maybe they didn't mean it that way, or go tell the teacher, principal, or whatnot, right? Or parents will even try to bring and build up self-confidence to stand against such darkness, such an enemy. So we learn martial arts. We go join sports and bulk up and become strong or whatever. Throw money at stuff to make us look more popular and not to, be, not to be, have so many enemies. But here's the catch. Once we know of enemies, that reality, it's hard to forget that kind of pain before our lives. When Jesus tells us, love your enemies, that's a command. And frankly, that command is not natural to life in any way. Now, the secular culture has its slogans it likes to kind of throw in there. You've heard them before. Win over your enemies. Kill them with kindness. Or the new one, more, more, the more postmodern one today is make frenemies. Yet this man-made love, you know, is seeking to have a win-win. Jesus does not give us that kind of a guarantee in what he says. Against hatred, hate, <laughs> against hatred, his Christians are still to do good, bless, and pray for our enemies. This love is not a feeling, and then to act out of that feeling, because you're not going to find that with an enemy, right? But actually, when this, this word here, this love, is about holding a deliberate purpose to cross over those justifiable lines we rightly draw in life out of love. And it's to step right over that kind of reasoning and feeling. The greater hatred that is faced means greater love that reflects a kind of kingdom of grace. You just don't do that kind of stuff, in other words. We hear the appeal, Jesus said, and as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them, but that's just the golden rule. And what he's talking about is above and beyond, love your neighbor as yourself. 
Jesus says, reach beyond the politeness of natural man, of this world's way, with grace, sufficient to give even enemies. But we know quite well, and if you didn't confess it with confession and absolution today, you can do it right now, but we know we fail. <laughs> we fail, and then we wonder, how do we do it? Because I have no resources that just fall out of the sky that give me all the tools to just love my enemies so well. And so we go to the justifying by Christ first. Love enough against all of God's enemies, and he has many. Epiphany season, as you know, shows us miracles and wonders by Jesus, like healing and all that stuff. But frankly, it comes down to the miracle of God's mercy. Since the Son came to serve wretched and needy sinners, to hear Jesus is to know, be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. Jesus says that because he is the Son, and he is suffering enemies left and right, even his own disciples who don't understand him, but he still is acting in a manner of belonging to heaven and of the only Son of the Father. It could also be trans become merciful, directing us, well, how do I become? Well, directing us back to first in receiving the mercy God extended to any in Christ. It's already for you, God's mercy. He holds no anger. This is mercy, is, is pity. But it's beyond how we consider basic human needs for that person who needs help on the road or whatever. This is, this is mercy that we can't really fully grasp. It's how God saw pity over sinful humanity and why he spoke his gospel promise first to the only true enemy. You know who it is? Satan. That's the only true enemy. And God gave the, spoke that promise before Adam and Eve right to the devil, the enemy of all men. What Jesus says of love, he first delivers as a free gift, leaving nothing left undone for us by the cross. Who's the one that not only gives his coat, but his whole clothes at the foot of the cross? But Jesus. He exchanges it all out of love. Where we toss out labels against our neighbor, marking them as enemies, God chooses mercy as the principal gift given in his son. And yes, God already has given us daily bread. You Lutherans know the catechism, or you better. And we say in the catechism explanation, he gives bread even to evil people. But we still pray for such mercy for God to give us in our lives. Love now aligns to the undeserving good news. And St. John says in his first letter about Jesus, he is the propitiation, the putting forward for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. 
Don't forget that, Christians. It is more than God quieting hatred against his enemy with his son, but action that has resolved every issue, and all this is done for us in Jesus. Why the Father could be justified by giving us hell. His mercy exceeds good days and turns to forgiveness that Christ gives us in life continually. As he says in the Lord's Supper, do this as often as you drink it and eat it in remembrance of me, me, who does not hold anything against you, me, who loves you so much that you'll find out what it means because I'll even suffer you so you can eat and drink of my kingdom that brings good news to the poor. Work, blessing, and praying of Jesus goes before our lives. And yeah, he reigns over death to remove the devil's lies so that we can be generous with our very life. The justified set see past enemies. A merciful love trusting Christ makes right all wrongs. So better than Joseph or any of the suffering saints of old, what was once evil by the cross, we lift up because it declares all good. One, by God's Son. The most heinous darkness does not conquer this light. Jesus is the greatest gift, and from him, your baptism are to our sons of the Most High. How hard to forgive and love enemies. I know this. And if it were not for a greater love by God turned to us always in Christ, you wouldn't accomplish any kind of love. There is a refuge in the gospel. So if you struggle with that, repent and find good news from Jesus. More than that, God keeps, though, redirecting us back toward our neighbor and even more toward our enemies. He turns us back to say, as I have loved you, now love each other. Oh, and more than that, as a church, love this world. C.F.W. Walther writes these words, uh, the founder of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, first president and such. He writes, being a Christian can never be separated from being merciful. Whatever, whatever other characteristics are found in the Christian, they are invalid if he or she lacks mercy. See past enemies. To trust God is mightier in love, and a sinful world needs the mercy that, frankly, only the Christian has or can give.
It's more than you scratch my back and I'll scratch yours kind of life. Being justified by Christ means that that little small amount of effort of mercy outside of those bounds that we make, that little bit is big before the Father who has stepped fully into our life with, to lavish us with love in his Son. His desire is to give the gospel, and instead of building cases against our neighbor or writing them off, which is frankly more what happens, we just write it off. The devils, the, the kingdom of grace, loves from faith in to shame the devil's hatred. And there is much being stirred up in the world today. And that same grace of the kingdom even silences enemies. It does not mean we roll on our back and don't speak the truth. It means that I speak the truth out of love so that an easy example would be I stand up for abortion, against abortion, out of love for those who want to kill babies. They will hate me, they may despise me, but I'm doing it because they don't realize the love that they've lost in killing life. And yet there's free grace to give even for those who've gone through that dark path. If enemies can become friends later in life, you know how that goes when you go back to school and you see George or whoever and you say, oh, that's a lot different, I'm sorry, they might say. Or, as we know, nations, once at war, can later become allies. I mean, Japan should ring a bell right off the start, right? If that can happen in this world, how much more will the good measure given to us out of the gospel extend out to the ends of the earth? The gift of forgiveness and eternal life pressed down, shaken, and poured out, come from the Marcus and lead to his great love of the cross. God's mercy in Christ is love that makes right all the wrongs with love even to not enough to give our enemies. Amen. The peace of God that passes all understanding be with your hearts and minds. In Christ Jesus to life everlasting. Amen.